Good morning and greetings in Christ's name to each one here this morning. Good to see everyone here. Blessing to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I've appreciated the, the morning this far. And um, I like that last song we sang there. Go, labor on, spend and be spent. We, we know what it's like to come men to the end of a day of a work and women, maybe extra responsibilities, extra activities you've had, come to the end of the day and to feel spent, to feel tired, worn out. And we don't, we don't like to feel that way all the time, at least I certainly don't. I like to feel rested and refreshed and and ready to, to do something. And that's something that we have to look forward to as well. As we labor for our master. I should have the songbook here. But anyways, that last verse talks about that. That there is rest coming. Eternal rest. And... I trust we are looking forward to that at the end of our earthly service for our master. This morning I invite you to Numbers chapter 13. Be reading most of chapter 13 in Numbers. And also a little bit in chapter 14. And we have here the account of the 12 spies going to spy out the land of Canaan. And also in chapter 14, then the choice of the people of Israel in, in their... Um, choosing whether or not they would go into Canaan. And I want to be thinking about deception through the message here. And this maybe, I don't know, maybe isn't what we normally think of as we think of the, the passage here of the, the spies and the, the decision not to go into Canaan. But I think we can learn some things about deception through the passage here. So I'm just going to start here in Numbers 13.1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses sent by the commandment of the Lord, and Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. We're going to skip over the next uh, several verses here, the choices of the men who were sent. And we'll go into verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward. 
and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring the fruit of the land. Now the time now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up, and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south, and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman and Shishai and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and said, We came unto the land, whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which, came, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So in this passage here. Moses had sent these 12 spies into the land of Canaan to, to check things out. Um, their responsibility was to go see what the people are like. Are they strong or are they weak? Are there few or are there many? Is the land good or is it bad? Fat or lean? And what about the people? Do they live in tents? Or do they live in strongholds? Is there wood there? 
And also, he said, bring back a sampling of the fruit of the land. What's there? So we know what's in the land. So we know something about it. Now, the, the first part of this chapter says that the Lord talked to Moses, and he said to send these men. If we go into Deuteronomy chapter 1, and there's one verse there, Deuteronomy 1, verse 22 and Moses is speaking here, and I believe it was just before they did go into Canaan then. But Deuteronomy 1.22 says, And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the next verse then. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. So, looking here, um, in, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 here, uh, it appears that the Lord is sending them. But it also appears from Deuteronomy chapter 22 that they were also pushing for uh, for spies to go in and see what's what there is in the land. And I, I brings to me the question, was this really what God wanted? Or was he allowing something that the people were pushing for? Was he allowing them to have their way? And I don't, I don't have the answers for that, specifically on this account. But sometimes, as people, we push, and we try to get what we want. And sometimes God allows it, even if it's not his best for us. There were two reports, and just in very short, the one report was, we are well able to overcome it. That was the report from Caleb. The report from the ten, we are not able to go up against the people. Two opposing reports here. Israel was one step from a right decision or a wrong decision. The choices were there. We could say that truth and deception were, were staring the Israelites in the face in this moment. And the consequences of either choice were tremendous. We know the consequences of the choice they made. Wanderings for 40 years in the wilderness, and many of them never getting to step inside the promised land. The consequences, if they had been willing to go right away, would have been positive consequences of that of, of being able to inhabit and have a homeland at the time, a good land. In our lives, 
there are there are many moments, many choices we have to make. And there are voices that are calling us, many voices. There is choices between truth and untruth, truth and deception. And the consequences are real. The consequences of the choices we make are real. I want to look at the choice here that they made in Numbers 14, the first ten verses. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bad stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. <clears throat> the choice. The company of the Israelites. It says they lifted up their voice, they wept, and they murmured against Moses and against Aaron. In, in verses 7 and 8, actually uh, 5 through 8, 9 in here, we see the, the faith of Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. We see Moses and Aaron falling down on their faces. And, and then Joshua and Caleb speaking up and encouraging the people again that they are able to go in. They are able to possess this land. Uh, they said, the defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. They had nothing to fear. This morning, I, I look at the choice of Israel and their choice to turn away what, from what God had for them and to turn to the wrong choice, really. And I ask, why 
Did Israel make the wrong choice? What can we learn from the Israelites in the choice that they made? And I have four different things here that I think are, are some keys. Maybe as you look through the passage, you see a couple other things. But uh, four here I want to look at. The first one is that they used the logic of man. The spies came back, and the ten said, It is a good land. They called it a land flowing with milk and honey, a desirable place to be. But, they said, they said the people are strong. There's giants there. The the children of Anak, the sons of Anak, from which come the giants. Also, they saw walled cities. And they felt powerless to to go into the land and take it. They were using their logic. But where was God? I don't know that they mentioned God at all in in this passage here, the, the the ten spies. And my mind goes to the account where Samuel was going to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. And Samuel went and he, I don't know if he knew Jesse and his sons at all or not, but he went as the Lord had commanded him to. And I imagine he didn't have, yeah, like I say, didn't know Jesse's sons had no idea who he was going to choose or how that was going to come about. And the Lord said to Samuel, as these strong young men were coming before Samuel, and the Lord was telling him, not this one. The Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And you know, out of that, out of Samuel looking to God and trusting God for his leading, came one of the greatest leaders that Israel ever knew. Maybe the greatest. Why? Because God told him, Don't use your logic. Don't use your reasoning. He said, I look at the heart. I know these men. And and he chose to lead Samuel in that. Samuel chose to be led. Another account I think of, we find in the New Testament, Jesus had ascended into heaven, left the 11 disciples there. Judas was gone, had turned from Jesus and then taken his own life. And the disciples were left. And they chose, they were choosing another one to serve with them. And it says in Acts one twenty three, it says, And they appointed two, Joseph, 
and Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. So they made a choice among them of two men. And then it says, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. They left the final choosing up to God. And, you know, I believe that as we make choices in life, if we want to make right and proper choices, we need to leave it to God. We need to seek God and not do it on our own reasoning and logic. In John chapter 16, we have Jesus speaking to his disciples here. And this would have been in that final week, I believe, as he was coming to the cross. And in chapter 16, here he was talking about the coming of the off- and the office of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yeah, speaking of his office. And in verse 12, he said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Sometimes we may think it would be nice if everything was spelled out in life so that we could go to the Bible and see the specifics there. It's not that way. Jesus said to the disciples, you cannot bear them. These many things that I would like to say to you now, you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, how be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it, shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Jesus did send his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth that will guide us. And as we listen to his Holy Spirit, he will guide us and he will speak truth to us. He speaks to us from Jesus and from God himself. And we can trust that truth that comes from the Spirit. I, can I say we, maybe men especially, tend to, to jump on logic. Um, we, we think through what seems the logical thing to do. We look into our abilities, what we are able to do instead of the power of God. It didn't look reasonable to the ten spies to go into the land where there were giants that they were afraid of. In Numbers, let me turn here again. 
Numbers chapter 14. Um, in verse 8, Joshua and Caleb were saying, If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And I think Israel could have known that as God was leading them, that the Lord did delight in them. He also said, they are bread for us. This is no problem. For, he said, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. May not have looked like logic to the company of Israel. It did not. And, and so they chose otherwise. Sometimes we're looking for an answer from God. And we don't get the answer right away, at least for myself. And so I think I need to make a decision based on what I think. But I believe that generally if we need, I, sh I shouldn't just say generally, that if we need an answer from God and he's not giving it, it's best to wait rather than move on ahead. Why did Israel make a wrong choice? Second point, they forgot to look back on what God had done for them. They forgot to look on the power and the goodness of God. Both of these had brought them out of Egypt. Through God's power and goodness, he had delivered them from Egypt. He had brought them through the Red Sea and delivered them from the Egyptian army. He fed them manna. He gave them water when there was no water or when it was bitter. They forgot to look back on what God had done for them, and they were ready to go back on God. They were ready to kill their leaders and go back to Egypt. Deception will take us back to bondage. And as they were deceived, they were ready to go back into bondage. Thinking of looking back on what God has done, as Saul was anointed king, Samuel said in 1 Samuel 12, 24, he said, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. You know, Samuel was disappointed at this point, I believe. He was disappointed in the choice of the Israelites. They chose to have a king instead of allowing God to be their leader, as he had been. But he gave them the encouragement, don't forget the great things that God has done for you. For myself, impatience leads me to want answers now. You know, I, I can look back on my life and see how God has led in the past. Why can't I wait for answers now? In Deuteronomy 32, verse 7, it says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. 
Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. Again, looking back on history, looking back on what God has done. We are at a vantage point to be able to look back on history. And my mind, on this whole subject here, and looking at history, my mind goes back to what we know of the, the mid-1900s and just the, the choices of um, some of the, the large conferences of Mennonite churches, uh, the choices to move up and walk along with the world and just the, the process that happened there. And as we look back on that, are we aware today of the smoothness of Satan and leading the church away from God and away from Christ? Also, looking again at why did Israel make the wrong choice, the third point is they listened to the majority, and they silenced the minority. They were not willing to truly consider the truth. Now, this morning, neither the minority nor the majority is always right. There can be safety in numbers. And, you know, I think of as we make decisions as a congregation, um, we, we end up going to, at times, to a vote, and we look for the majority. But, you know, sometimes the minority can speak up and can give insight that maybe the rest of us aren't seeing can give perspective to a situation. And again, I don't want to say this morning that we always listen to the minority. Sometimes we have um, a silent minority that is, is good to speak up. Sometimes we have a silent majority that should also speak up. But what I'm saying this morning is that as brothers and sisters, we need to hear one another. We need to hear the input of godly people. And as I specifically think of a minority not being heard. If, if, if we could step back to the mid-1900s there, when there was just a, a large moving away from scriptural truths and principles by the, um, the conservative Mennonite conferences, a number of them at least, what if, you know, there was a minority there that was speaking out, that was speaking 
a truth that was desiring to hold to the, the truths and the doctrines of the word of God. And how would things have been different if that voice, that smaller voice, had been heard? Would the deception and loss that took place have looked different? I trust that it, it would have had a difference. The fourth point, why did Israel make the wrong choice? And this is um, maybe the most important one. Um, could go along with the first point there. But their eyes were on the enemy. They... It could go along with different ones of these here. They didn't have their eyes on God. They didn't have their eyes on his power and what he had done for them in the past. And as I consider deception today that can take place in our own personal lives and in our midst, where are we looking Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 considers a, tells us to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Brothers and sisters, if we are looking to Jesus, if we are seeking him, if we are humbly living as he directs us to live, our hearts will be open to truth. As we are receiving of his Holy Spirit, we will be receiving truth. He will open up. We will have hearts open to truth. And, and um, we will be able to guard against those many deceptions that come our way. This morning, deception is tricky. And the reason that deception is tricky is because that's exactly what it is. It's deception. Might not make a whole lot of sense, but deception is deception. You know, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone walking around declaring that they are deceived. A person doesn't know when they've been deceived, so why would they be declaring that they are being deceived? Now, we've probably heard people say, I was deceived. We can look back on ways that we have been deceived. But when we're in it, we don't know it. When we're walking in the truth, the devil wants us to think that we are wrong. And when we are wrong, walking in error, he wants us to think that we are right. The nature of deception. John 8, 44, Jesus 
I think he was speaking to some of the religious leader here. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. The devil is a liar, he's the father of it. It's his nature. It's who he is. And he doesn't care how he gets a person. He'll deceive in any way he can. Many forms of deception. But rather, on the opposite, God is the author of truth. In Psalm 51 and verse 6, He says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God's desire for us is to know truth, to be people of truth. And as we walk closely with God, and as we seek his leading, God will keep us from deception. Now this morning I haven't really got specific on areas of deception. I've looked more at the subject of, of deception and um, what we can learn from the Israelites here, how it can come in, how it can um, get us. And I um, tend to be a little slow to say this over the pulpit, but um, to... to um, look at the future and messages I am planning to preach about, but I'm going to say it, and it's going to be out here, is that I would like to um, preach another message or so on areas of deception that we face. And I think in our circles there can be some um, easy areas of deception if we're not open to God and listening to him. And just to name a few, the area of money, I think, can be a, a, a very um, easy trap that we can be taken into. We heard about wealth this morning. Um, health can be another easy area of deception, and um, I think probably we're aware of many uh, different ways things that um, are done um, in that area to grab for our health ease new philosophies that come along and um, I don't have things mapped out here specifically, for sure yet, but some things I would like to look into um, in time here. And I trust that it is our desire, I know it's our desire, that we would walk in truth. No one wants to be deceived. And as we are seeking God, I'll just mention again, looking to Jesus and looking to the Holy Spirit to lead us 
Brothers and sisters, we don't need to fear deception when our hearts are open to Almighty God. And I just take that confidence. Um, I think we could take the approach of shriveling up because we're just afraid we're going to be deceived. Because we don't know when we're deceived. But it, it doesn't have to be that way. Because we can know the truth, the truth which brings freedom and the truth that comes from God alone. Let's kneel together for prayer.